Nehemiah chapter 1. We talked through Ezra a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk about Nehemiah this week. Boy, I don't, Andrew, who did the chairs this week? I'm all messed up, man. There's this huge gap. I'm like talking to nobody in the middle here. All right, it's fine, it's fine. Oh, Brennan, okay, Brennan. It's an interesting take on how to do chairs. It's, it, it's new, it's new. I like it, it's fresh. I feel like we're just, we're spread out. We're spreading our boundaries, all right? We're in a series called Boundaries. We've spread new boundaries out here. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just you know, really got in my head there. Yeah, yeah, it's the seas been parted. Here we go. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. So just to give you context here, the Jewish people, that they were exiled from their homeland, they were taken to Babylon, they were held in captivity, uh, their city was torn down, the walls were torn down, the temple was torn down, but what happened? They were allowed to come back, and God had made a way for them to come back, and they began to rebuild, and they began to rebuild. They started with the altar the place where we come and we lay our sacrifices. And then they started with the temple after that. And then from there, we, we see what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah had a different concern. Everybody had a role to play. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1 says this. These are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah. Nehemiah's concern for Jerusalem. In late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The walls been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. What's the first thing the enemy will attack? He'll attack the wall and the gates because he can't get to the heart of the city until he attacks your wall and your gates. That's it. If you leave the wall and the gates undefended, that makes it easy for the enemy to get in. What they had done, why they got to this place, it was because they stopped caring who came in and out of their gates. They started to have anyone and everyone from any other tribe, any other nation come in. And all these other nations would come in and they began to make the place of worship for Yahweh a place of worship for any God that they wanted and any God that they chose. And they brought these idols in. They stopped watching their gates They stopped being particular about who they let in and out. If we today are temples of the Holy Spirit within us, we should have gates and walls. We should set up boundaries in our lives. Who are you letting in right now to your gate, letting have access to more of you than they need? than they should have, than they've earned, than they deserve. You need to have boundaries with some people. And you know who these people are. Right now the Holy Spirit's bringing it to mind. And you know, oh yeah, I'm not in a good place when I let them have too much access to my life. 
I'm not in a good place. When I let them into the gate and I let them into the temple, it takes me to a dark place. It takes me further from where God wants me to be. Who are you letting into your gates? It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be a, it could be a lifelong friend. I've got friends from youth group, from church, all the way back, how old am I now? I don't know, over 20 years ago. And we, we've been friends a long time. I love these guys. But I've realized over the years, especially these last couple years, I can't let them have as much access to my life as I used to. Because I, I want to run faster. I want to run harder. I, I don't want to be slowed down by the things of this world. And there's still some of these friends that they want one foot in and one foot out. And what they're doing is they're holding on to some of these chains. And then when they get into the gate, when they get in and they have access to my life, then they're grabbing on to me. And when I'm trying to run and when I'm trying to do everything I've been called to do, all of a sudden I can't run as fast anymore. I can't do what I've been called to do. I can't do what I've been created to do. Some of you, you know that is going on in your life right now. You've let people into your gates. You've let people into the temple, and they've made a place there. They've made it a dwelling place, and they don't plan on going anywhere because they want full access to you, and God today is going to tell you. He's going to put that person on your heart, and you've got to say, you've got to create boundaries. You've you got to reestablish the wall. You've got to reestablish the gates. He's not saying cut them off forever. He's not saying never talk to them. He's not saying have nothing to do with them. He's just saying you got to have healthy boundaries because you're not in a good enough place to lift them up when they come into your presence. They're pulling you down more than you're lifting them up. you got to fortify the wall and the gates so you can become strong and the fire can burn bright within the heart of the temple. The more you keep fanning the flame, the more you keep fueling the fire, the stronger it gets. All of a sudden, those people, the ones that have been trying to get in and have access to you and pull you down and pull you away and, and keep you from running the race. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that they're even doing this intentionally. A lot of them, they might have the best intentions in the world. Really? They don't even realize what they're doing some of the time. Some of them, they're your own family members, and they'll tell you things like, I, I just love you guys. I, I, I love your family. I love your kids. And, and really what they're doing is they're just feeding off of you. And it's okay, but if you're constantly pouring out and you're never being filled up by his presence, because you're too busy trying to make yourself available to try and help and pour out and do all these things for other people, your cup's going to be empty. I know. Because I, I've had these moments. I keep having these moments where, where I realize, man, I'm, I'm giving my life away and I'm giving too much access. And I'm not just sitting at the altar at his feet and letting his presence fill me. Sometimes we let people into the gates and we let people in and have access that shouldn't. Because really, that's an idol for us. We love to help people. Helping people can become an idol. Because we feel needed, we feel wanted, we feel like, oh man, I, I'm important. It gives me purpose. And it also gives you a little bit of that satisfaction, like their life is terrible, my life is much better. Uh, you know, and you start, to, you start to raise yourself up in your own mind and it puffs you up. It's not building you up, it's puffing you up. 
puff doesn't last. Have you ever eaten Cocoa Puffs? You're still hungry five minutes later. You can eat a whole box of Cocoa Puffs. Puff doesn't fill you. His spirit fills you. Stop giving yourself away. Create these boundaries and these gates again. Learn how to give access in a wise way, not a foolish way. Nehemiah 2, verse 11. Nehemiah 2, verse 11. So I arrived in Jerusalem three days later. I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. God had put plans in his heart for Jerusalem. Some of you today, God's put a plan, he's put a vision in your heart and your mind. Believe it. Follow it. Be obedient to what he's called you to do. Keep walking in it. But be careful about who you tell these plans to. If you tell them to the wrong people, if you tell them to those people we were talking about that you've given too much access, and now all of a sudden you're sharing your plans, you're sharing your heart, you're sharing God's desires in your life with people that shouldn't have access within the temple, They're going to scoff, they're going to ridicule, they're going to do anything and everything to tear it down and to try to destroy what God is doing. Be careful who you tell your plans to. We took no pack animals with us except the donkey I was riding. After dark, I went out through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, and over to the dung gate. I don't know, dung gate, that's weird. Uh, To inspect, they had a gate just for dung. To inspect the broken walls and burned gates. What's he doing? He's, doing? he's taking an evaluation of the temple. Then I went to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but my donkey couldn't get through the rubble. There was so much rubble, the donkey couldn't even get through. So though it was still dark, I went up the Kidron Valley, instead inspecting the wall before I turned back and entered at the valley gate. The city officials did not know I had been out there or what I was doing, for I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. He told the right people first. He told the right people first. When God gives you a plan, when God gives you a vision, make sure you're telling the right people in your lives first. Because if he had gone to, if he'd gone to these guys first, I don't think this thing ever would have taken off. They would have scoffed, they would have ridiculed him, they would have laughed him right out of the city. But he was wise in who he told first. They heard secondhand. There's those people that you keep giving access to and you keep trying to tell them what God's put on your heart, what the kingdom, what you've been called to in the kingdom to do, what he's called you to, to live in, to walk in. And they keep scoffing and ridiculing and mocking and rolling their eyes and it just shuts you down. It quenches the flame within you and you just stay quiet and you just close up and you start to think, yeah, maybe they're right. 
Yeah, maybe my family's right. Maybe I am a fool. Maybe I am an idiot. What am I doing? Why, why, would, I, why would I sow seed into the kingdom where I could be sowing in to the, the desires of my heart? Why, why would I do that? Everything I'm doing is foolish. Why would I give time to serving in the kingdom? Why would I give time to loving and doing what God's called and created me to do? Why would I do any of this? Because it's foolish, and, and those around me are telling me constantly this. Why would I believe any of this? If you tell the wrong people your plans, if you've given them too much access, it'll quench what God's called you to. When Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked? I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding this wall, but you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. He gathered people to him. He gathered the right people to him. That's why we gather on a Sunday. For some of us, it's really easy to just be like, I, I don't need church. I'm good. I'm fine. It's my own personal faith. I, I, I can do this on my own, and I can make it in life, and, and I don't need organized church. I hear that a lot. This is where we gather with the right people. This is where we gather and share and build each other up in the right way, the way he's called us to as a church body. This is where you first begin to sow the seeds of the plans God has put on your heart because you're sowing them in good soil in this place. You're sowing them in good soil when you're with these people. Some of you, you're in a small group. You know this. You're sharing life. You're doing life. You're sharing plans and visions and hopes for your future. And you're sowing into good soil in those moments. And some of you know when you've gone out in the past and you've tried to share with some of those friends outside of the wall, outside of the gates, and you've tried to sow some of that seed, it's hard soil. It's soil that'll scoff right at you. It's soil that'll laugh at you and say, nothing grows here. This can't happen here. That's impossible. Nothing's impossible with God. Nothing. Yeah, there we go. Church is alive today. My guy in the back. Church, it's all right. You can interact. We're going to have some fun today. God's got a word for us. It's good. Who who are you surrounded by and who are you sharing your thoughts, your dreams, and your vision with? If you want to be in a group here in Revival, you can sign up. Just come find one of our pastors. Go online. There's all kinds of ways you can sign up. Email us. Do something. But you need to get in a group. You need to get with good soil and start sharing the plans that God has put on your heart for you, your life, your family, your wife, your spouse, your friends. What does he put on your heart? And start sharing it in good soil. Start sowing it there first. Because then when the outsiders, when they come and they laugh and they mock and they scoff, it won't matter because you know who's with you. You got the body of Christ surrounding you. You've got Christ in you living. The, fan, the flame is being fanned within you. Sow into good soil. That's what we're doing here at Revival. The other thing he did is he inspected the wall. He evaluated the damage before he made a plan. Some of you right now, you, you know the wall around you, it is damaged, and there are people coming in and out. Nobody's watching the gate. You're letting anyone and anything have access to you. You need to do an evaluation. 
I've had to do an evaluation this summer. There's moments I've just been beat up and down and tired and just, I haven't been myself. And so these past couple weeks, I've just been trying to sit and listen again and do an evaluation. And he just keeps showing me, you let some of your gates down. You got lazy. Rebuild the gates. Set a guard again at some of these gates. You thought you could just put it on cruise control and you thought you could just coast this summer and you, you turned it off. No, no, no. Set a guard again in your life in each and every place. Some of us, what we've been doing, we think, oh man, I, I could just go back just a little to the old ways. I, I, I can just start to watch some of these old movies or some of these old TV shows and I can just kind of turn my brain off for a while. And what you're doing is you're sowing your time into the world. You're sowing your time into the world when you could be sowing your time into the word. I've been doing that this summer. Here's my confession. Here's my repentance. I want to stop sowing my time into TV and movies again and I want to start sowing it into the world, word because I, I know I'm feeling empty and dried out. I'm not feeling filled up this summer. I'm not feeling energized and ready to take on the next battle that God's got for us, but something's changing today because I, I'm making a commitment in my own life and I'm saying, no, 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 I'm putting the childish things away again. I don't need the entertainment of this world. I just need his word. And I know for some of us that sounds really, oh, that's too religious, that's too legalistic. That, that's fine. This is just what I'm doing. This is what I'm feeling called to. And I want to walk in obedience to his voice. He might be calling you to something else. It's not about legalism. It's about you and your relationship to him and walking in obedience to what he is speaking into your life. That is what he's calling you to. Walk in obedience to his voice. His voice will always line up with his word. If you're not sure about something, take it back to the word. If you're not sure, man, is this from God? Is he really saying this? Is he really telling me to give this up, to walk away from this? Go back to his word. Line it up there. Nehemiah 3, 1 through 2. Then Eliashib, the high priest, and the other priests, they started to rebuild at the sheep gate. They dedicated it and set up the doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Imri. I love this. If you're going to rebuild the walls, if the walls have been torn down, if the gates have been torn down, but today you're coming to this line in the sand, and you're saying, no, 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 no. I'm not going a step further walking in what I've been walking in. I'm not going to go a step further without reestablishing the gates and the walls. It starts, the rebuilding of the walls, it starts with the high priest. It starts with the priest. It starts with the pastors. It starts with the leadership of the church. And, and so I'm just telling you, as the leader in this church, along with our other leadership team members, I'm calling all of us as leaders in the church, we're going to step forward and we're going to reestablish the walls again. We're going to reestablish the gates again. In our own lives and in the lives of this church. 
not for the sake of legalism or following rules or laws, for the sake of freedom. For the sake of protecting our people from what the enemy wants to do. Let me share a word with you. I, Acts 28. I, I didn't know if I was going to share this today. I'm going to share it. I don't have scripture up on the slides for this one. Maybe our slide guy is really good and he'll, he'll be really, he's always good, but maybe he'll be really quick and he'll get it for you. Acts 28. This why you got to bring your Bibles. Bring your Bibles, church, because you never know where I might go. It might not be on the slides. Acts 28, verse 1. Some of you this summer, you're feeling attacked and you're feeling beat up and you're feeling down. And part of that is because you let your gates down, you let your guard down. You said, I, I can just take a few Sundays off. I, I can just take some time off from my small group. I can just take some time off from reading the word and I can spend it in the world and I can just soak in the entertainment and I can just get numb off what the world has to offer because I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. I don't want to deal with what I'm dealing with. And, and it all comes back to your gates and what you've let in. And you don't know how to deal with the pain or what's going on there in some of these relationships and the people you've given access to. And you're not really sure what to do in this moment. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Acts 28, verse 1. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. Paul and all of his traveling companions, they had been shipwrecked. Verse 3, as Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous stake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. The people on the island, they saw it hanging from his hand and they said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. There's Paul with a snake hanging on his hand. What do you do if a snake latches onto your hand? You shake it off, right? Taylor Swift, right? You go, full you go full Taylor Swift. You shake that thing off. Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. The people waited for him to swell up suddenly or drop dead, but when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. He wasn't a god, but he had God living inside him. He was a temple of the Holy Spirit. When the enemy attacks you, when the enemy strikes you and they strike out and they bite you, shake it off and shake it back into the fire. Don't just walk around. I, I've been walking around this summer and I, I've been snake bit all summer by some of these people, people that I thought, man, this is family. These are close friends. I love these people. I care for them. I've been snake bit this summer and I've just been walking around and I've been I've been walking like this. I haven't been shaking. I've just been letting these snakes hang off my hands, walking around all summer long. And to deal with it, I've just been like, ah, oh, I'm just gonna turn on the TV. I'm just gonna turn on another show. I'm gonna get lost in a movie. I'm gonna forget about everything that's going on because I don't wanna deal with it. I don't wanna deal with the pain and the emotions of what's going on right now in my life and the hurt that I've experienced. I'm gonna pretend that I'm not hurt because I'm tough and I'm a guy that's what we do. And so I'm just going to walk around with 50 snakes hanging off me because that looks cool. No, it looks foolish. Today, I just want to shake it off. I want to shake it off and I want to shake it into the fire. Every attack the enemy has put on you, 
every attack the enemy's ever put on you in your entire life, stop letting it hang on you and shake it off and let it be fuel for the fire because the enemy thought you were worth attacking. The enemy thought you were worth attacking. Andrew, where are you at? The enemy thought you were worth attacking. Amen. That's it right there. Shake it off and let it be fuel for the fire. Fan the flame within you. Walk in that confidence knowing that when you're walking with him, you can shake anything off that the enemy wants to throw at you and it is fuel for the fire because you are called, you are a part of the royal priesthood. You have spiritual authority by the blood of Christ. And you walk in that authority through this world. Rebuild the gates today. Rebuild the walls today to protect the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Shake everything off the enemy wants to throw at you. Don't walk in it anymore. Nehemiah 4, verse 1. Worship team, as I'm getting ready to close here, you guys come up and start playing a little bit. Chapter 4, verse 1. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. As you're rebuilding the walls, the mockers are going to come. The scoffers are going to come. As you begin to walk in what he's calling you to, as you begin to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice in your life, the mockers and the scoffers are going to come. They're going to roll their eyes. They're going to, they're going to mock and ridicule you for everything you're doing, every change you're making, but it's not for them. It's for the temple. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. Then I prayed... Hear us, our God, for we're being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads, and may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. At last, the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city, for the people had worked with enthusiasm. Let's work with enthusiasm as we rebuild the walls of our temple. Let's work with joy knowing that there's a purpose behind everything he's called us to and everything he's put inside of us, all the plans and desires of our hearts. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and to throw us into confusion. But we prayed to our, guard, to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there's so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them all and end their work. It feels like that in some of these seasons. It feels like the enemy is winning. It feels like they're coming. It feels like there's nothing we can do. And so we just sit back and we stop building. Keep going forward. 
The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. Those exposed areas in your life, those areas you know where the enemy keeps coming and getting in and getting a foothold and trying to build a stronghold, you gotta place guards there. Bring others in alongside you. Ask for help, ask for prayer, ask for protection, ask for accountability, whatever it is you need and place extra guards there in those weak spots. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. That's for us today, church. Don't be afraid of the enemy. He's a defeated enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. When you build a wall, when you fight against the enemy, you're not just fighting for yourself. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting for those closest to you. You're fighting for generations to come. You're fighting for your kids. You're fighting for your grandkids. You're fighting for their kids. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. One hand to work, one hand to hold a weapon. That's how he calls us to walk in this world. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out. And we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times. Even when we went for water, they stayed ready. One hand for work, one hand for your weapon. Most of us, we, we've taken our hands off the weapon that he's given us so we can hold on to more of the world. We've put down the weapon he's given us and we've let our guard down so we can hold on and we can grab on to more of the world because there's always more. There's always more to chase after. There's always more to try to hold on to. But it opens you up to attack. It exposes you to the enemy. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I encourage you to take up the sword of the Spirit in your daily life. Carry your weapon. Some of us, we put our sword down. We haven't stayed ready. And that's why right now, today, in this moment, we feel defeated and broken and like giving up. I know I felt like that when I walked in this morning. But I know right now I'm getting filled up. You feel that? He's here right now. He's filling us up. 
Holy Spirit is here in this room. Ask Him to enter in in this moment. Pick up the sword of the Spirit again and take up the fight. Put down everything in this world you've been holding on to to make more room for what He's got for you. He gave you a weapon. Carry it. Forget. Forget about what everything this world is trying to offer you and tempt you with and throw at you and say, this is better chase after this. Forget about the scoffing. Forget about the attacks because you know who is with you, who lives inside of you. You're a temple. Ephesians 6, verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. In Nehemiah, they were taking up swords against flesh and blood. Today, we take up a sword against these unseen powers. They're still at work, and they're still trying to break down your walls because they want access to the temple. They want you to push God out. They can't push God out. Only you can do that. Only you can choose to quench the Spirit and choose to push Him out of your temple and let the enemy come in and have access. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to stand to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, put it on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and carry it and use it and fight the battle he's called you to fight. Let's stand and worship and let's stand and fight in the Spirit. Drop everything that you have, everything you've been holding on to, drop everything you've been carrying so you can pick up his word, so you can pick up the sword and you can fight in the Spirit and stop living in the natural. Stop living for everything you see and start living to fight the battle that you can't see.